It's time for InsureTalk with insurance industry tech geek and Guidewire chief evangelist, Laura Drabik. In this podcast series, we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. If you're looking for insights on the trends and technologies reshaping the industry, an all-new InsureTalk starts now. Welcome to InsureTalk. My name is Laura Drabik and I'm the Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing a returning guest to this podcast, Shane Cassidy, Executive Vice President of Capgemini's Global Insurance Business Unit. The focus of our conversation today is navigating the future of auto insurance as the velocity of change hits the accelerator. As vehicles grow smarter, more connected, and increasingly electrified, the changes created by this mobility revolution will radically reshape what we need and expect from insurers. As part of our conversation today, we'll be exploring some of the overarching trends transforming auto insurance today and the ecosystem and infrastructure enhancements insurers must put in place to master the future of mobility. Hello, Shane. Welcome back to InsureTalk. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And we are very excited to have you back. So let's cut right to the chase here. By 20 2025 connected cars will account for up to 90% of all new U.S. auto sales. The shift to smarter, cleaner automobiles is going to create a race to monetize the vehicle as a platform, truly autonomous driving, and a transition from personal lines to innovative new forms of micro and multimodal commercial coverage types. Shane, we'll look a little further down the road later in the show, but paint a picture of what this all looks like for consumers and insurers in the next five years. Sure. We just put out our world insurance report, which was insuring assets to protecting mobility. And in that, we interviewed thousands and thousands of people because I've pretty much given up trying to predict what's going to happen next on my own. We need a lot of input from the market and everything from the insured to the agents to the insurers themselves and even ecosystem partners to see what they're looking at. I think a lot of the most interesting stuff comes from those that are buying these products in the marketplace. And what we're seeing is potentially an eightfold increase in ACE level services, which is autonomous, connected, electric, and shared over that maybe a little bit of a longer time period. But between 2025, we expect multimodal to grow from 29% to 58% of the business, and especially in those urban areas. So if that happens, even at a lower rate, it's a significant change for everybody, quite frankly, the end customers, the distribution force, the way we distribute, as well as certainly the insurers and the products that they need to be able to deliver to those customers and through these different avenues. So I expect what we've all been saying that things are moving faster than ever, but it'll never move as slow again. And so that's what we are seeing. And I think our ability to advise our customers to adopt these various strategies to address these very quickly changing markets, understanding what's expected is critical over the next five years. So in terms of connected cars and the changing landscape for insurers, one of the earliest manifestations of longer term trends is the rise of embedded insurance. Everyone's been saying embedded, embedded for several years. So today, Tesla, Toyota, and other OEMs, they're embedding insurance distribution directly into the purchase of a new vehicle. By decades, end, up to 30% of personal lines auto premiums is expected to be generated through embedded insurance offers. When enabled through a modern cloud-based insurance platform and open APIs, embedded insurance gives carriers access to whole new pools of customers at exactly the moment 
they're most likely to buy coverage. Instead of the insured going to the carrier, the carrier is going to the insured. So you're either going to partner with OEMs to be a part of lucrative embedded ecosystems, or you're going to build your own. Shane, what are your views on the challenges and opportunities for insurers that are afforded by embedded insurance over the near to midterm? The ability to work with the OEMs and others is going to be one of the challenges and one of the opportunities. I saw something where there is a percentage of the OEMs that are deciding that they're not going to want to share their data with anybody external to their company, which is interesting because those are usually those that are looking to go direct to the marketplace. Inevitably, we're going to have to find ways to offer competing, whether it's the insurers or the OEMs, competing products, competitive prices, insight-driven solutions to these customers at the right point of purchase. And obviously, OEMs have a bit of an advantage because the customer is there purchasing, certainly for personal lines insurance. As you start looking at fleet and the move to commercial to support the marketplace, I think there's an equal opportunity for both insurers and the OEMs to play a part there. And I think as we look to multimodal, which is really about insuring the travel, especially in the urban environment, then insurers still have a significant advantage because only the OEM is looking at the part of that travel that's consumed by the automobile versus a scooter versus an Uber versus a bus versus a plane versus a train, etc. So the ability to develop these multimodal solutions may give insurers a competitive capability over those in the OEM space. But unquestionably, the OEMs see the value in the data that's being provided by their cars and tools and want to look for ways to capitalize on it. So I think a partnership is probably the most likely near-term solution for those opportunities. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, partnering in the near term. Where do you see the long term, perhaps 10 years out? Do you see that partnership still in place or do you see OEMs branching out and insurers bypassing them as well? It's a great question. I wish I had a crystal ball. Insurance is hard. And as we've just seen over the last couple of years, profitability and personalized insurance is difficult. Regulatory environments are challenging. What's unknown just yet is, is being in insurance a business that the OEMs truly value in years to come? Can the data give them an opportunity to be more profitable and make this a far more appealing service than the traditional insurers have seen it at, right? You know, 82 combined is world-class, 105 combined is, in some years, isn't even that bad. If you're an OEM, is that a business you want to get into and how much investment you have to put in it to maintain that? And there's always tough years that create some challenges. So I think fortitude and is this the right business for the OEMs versus is there other data-driven driven services that they can offer that can provide better returns for them in the long run. I think that's maybe the biggest component of it. If there's traditional insurance companies out there that can develop really strong partner-based embedded solutions that are very intuitive and agile and allow enough profit sharing and insight sharing with the OEMs to deliver great outcomes, then I think they're going to have a huge advantage over others that don't have the same level of integratability and agility in their solutions. Another place where you're seeing the future of auto start to take shape is around telematics and in particular pay-as-you-drive auto policies. According to J.D. Power, customers unhappy with rate increases are driving accelerated adoption of usage-based insurance or UBI. UBI enables rates to be based on distance-driven and some behavioral aspects. UBI already tops 26% penetration among new auto customers and in the near future, UBI will give way to what we like to call cognitive coverage. 
think AI-based technology that goes beyond recognizing that you slammed on the brakes, for instance, to understanding that you did it because you were trying to avoid hitting a careless pedestrian or a crash ahead. So for insurers, Shane, this kind of connectivity could also enable new coverage offerings like on-demand coverage for passengers, active coaching for new drivers, or international insurance. Shane, what are some other ways we'll see connected car technology start to transform the driving experience and the types of offerings we're going to see from insurers over the next few years? I know a lot of our customers look to develop UBI solutions. And then you had a bunch of holdouts in the market that felt that it was too personal looking at how they're driving. People didn't want to share the data. But as the younger crew becomes the main drivers, they've already accepted that their data is going to be shared almost universally, whatever they're doing, wherever they're doing it. You know, my kids are turning 16. In order to get a better rate, they have to share their driving data. And it's an obvious yes for us. On top of that, getting driving recommendations and all of that's a value add. But if they drive well, what is a pretty expensive coverage for a 16-year-old becomes more reasonable and they get to see the value of that directly. So I think if I look at that, there's a changing in behaviors, starting with the very youngest of our drivers. Beyond that, it allows for people maybe to be more comfortable buying cars, especially Gen Z and those types that if you go around, I think we've all seen it. If you live in a city and you ask a kid it, whether or not they're excited to get their driver's license, there's so many that aren't even looking at going to get a driver's license because they've become accustomed to mobility services and they don't see a need for it. And I think cost of insurance is one of those things that holds people back because it can look very intimidating. But if you are going to be driving only relatively small amounts of time and you can get coverage for that, it improves the sentiment for those drivers. So there's a ton of change coming and we're not even talking about autonomous driving yet. We're just talking about can the connected car's ability to influence where we go, what we do, how we get there, when we go, the process of actually going there, and then everything too, even starting to merge on retail opportunities during your journey. It's becoming almost an endless opportunity loop for those that start to master that data in that cycle for these vehicles. So you hit an interesting point here, which is younger generations being more willing to share data. I can't believe the things that people share, in particular on TikTok. So Shane, what are older generations, perhaps, you know, older generations than you and I, of course, what is the pushback to sharing data for UBI pricing? There's a lack of trust. You know, what are the odds that providing my data is actually going to improve my costs? And even at my younger, older age, I can be skeptical how much value I'm going to get from that. I think as you get into more cognitive coverage, might be able to convince more people, but the sound is even more sinister to a degree. You know, you have this kind of offset where, hey, I'm a good driver. I don't have any accidents. I haven't had one in a long time. Yeah, sometimes I break heavy, but it's usually to avoid something. It's an intelligent braking, and can I cover that? But I think more senior generations are worrying about the rise of technology taking over to a degree, and I don't think some of us want to accept that. Plus, we've had our rates for decades. Yes, they've gone up a little bit over the last few years, but I think for the more senior people, we've been hit less by the rate increases, and therefore, there might not be as much reason for us to start adopting these highly data-driven policy services for us. So we probably need more of a psychological study to figure out what's really going on inside. But my view is we need to be targeting those that are more likely to accept these policies, these coverage 
languages. And quite frankly, in the interviews by age, you could see it's not only that they're accepting of it, they're expecting it. They're expecting the change in the policies to come over the next five years in their coverage. Is, you know, it's only 29% that want the old policies to continue the old solutions. And I think we saw something upwards of 49% and 50 below are looking forward to new coverages that meet of a modern expectation. Yeah, that makes sense. And with cognitive coverage, when accidents do occur, intake could be initiated automatically. I mean, we have carriers that are doing this today with Claim Center and telematics, instantly relaying pertinent telemetric data to the insurer. Based on the diagnostic data, the technology can summon a tow truck or first responders. It can notify your spouse that you're okay. Shane Guidewire and Cap Jim and I recently collaborated on a joint implementation of Claim Center for USAA. And Cap Jim and I also recently won a Guidewire SI Impact Award for its Claim Center Transformation Program on RSA. So congratulations on that. Thank you. It was a huge win for us and we're very proud of both of those programs. Let's go back to those programs. Help us understand how the USAA and RSA implementations help to lay the groundwork for the cognitive coverage offerings we might see in the future. Yeah, you started hitting on a lot of it when you started talking about what we've seen in the claims side already and what is the opportunity. You know, USAA, I think we can all agree, is a tremendous brand. And it's one that's very well respected from a customer satisfaction. And I can tell you as a partner of theirs, they preach the gospel of membership and the importance of their customers in everything they do. So that's first and foremost. So if you look at USA, for example, historically, they had about 15% touchless claims processing. And through this modernization, they wanted to get to 75% touchless. And some might say, hey, that's risky because you have such high CSAT scores and you're going to try and maybe change one of the things people love, which is that personal touch, that commitment to your membership, that caring side of the process. But in reality, what they were trying to do is remove all of the monotonous stuff or all of the areas where self-service or forward messaging or automation actually improves the customer satisfaction because they don't actually want to call with a person. They want to know what's happening real time. They want to be updated before they need to ask the question. And it's had a massive impact on USA's ability to really drive that straight through processing while improving their CSAT scores, which was critical to their definition of the program. So what we're able to see is that it's not just a one-time capability either. They've built in such a way that they can continually modernize this system because it is composable and they've built it in a sound architecture, knowing that implementation is really step one for them. It's the beginning of their transformation. It is certainly not the end of their transformation. You know, same with RSA, really. It was an upgrade going to GWCP and really starting to leverage the tools and capabilities that sit inside there, as well as the integration ability to allow them to start delivering far more automated and intelligent services to their customers. And both had a huge impact on their business. Thank you for sharing those great sound bites on two of our wonderful cloud customers. Fantastic. Such great information. When we come back after this short break, we'll continue our conversation with Shane Cassidy, Executive Vice President of Capgemini's Global Insurance Business Unit. So stay tuned. Digging Insure Talk with Laura Drabick? Be sure to subscribe on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, rate the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Now, let's get back to the show. And welcome back to Insure Talk. 
This is Laura Drabik, and I'm talking with Shane Cassidy, the Executive Vice President of Capgemini's Global Insurance Business Unit. Shane, connected car technologies also enable all the advances we're seeing in autonomous driving. By 2025, the combination of partial autonomy and conditional autonomy vehicles will account for more than 60% of new vehicle sales worldwide. By 2030, we'll see entire commercial fleets with conditional autonomy and high autonomy vehicles on the road. So I'm talking trucking fleets, but also fleets of EV, robo-taxis like Waymo and Cruise, micro-mobility networks of e-bikes, scooters, quadricycles, and so on. This is where we really start to see the future of auto taking shape as billions in premium revenues begin to jump from personal lines to commercial lines coverage. Shane, when I think about autonomous vehicle fleets, I see potential new models for covering these fleets, of course, but also covering numerous aspects of shipping, delivery, delivery and transport, leveraging telematics to monitor temperature and detect spoilage of transported goods. What other opportunities do you see and what's your sense of how ready insurers are to jump on these opportunities? Well, it's unquestionably a big opportunity, Laura. You can see that change starting to happen. I think the autonomous driving piece certainly is really nascent, but it makes absolute business sense if you're a provider of of these capabilities to move in that direction as fast as you can, which means the insurance side of it has to keep up with the market. And I think there's some challenges certainly there. I've always said, especially since maybe 10 years ago, technology can deliver the capability. I think Guidewire, we've been a partner of Guidewires for 15 years, having a really reliable, data-rich, agile core, and certainly where you've gone and where you're going continues to set the standard in that space. But you provide a core capability that's required to achieve any of these things. The ecosystem that you surround it with is also critical to enable some of these services to modernize. You know, you guys are at the forefront with this, especially with GWCP. The challenge that I generally see that is maybe the hardest is culture. The ability to change behaviors, change services, change products, roll it out consistently, change roles inside of the organization is, has, and probably will continue to be challenging for insurers, but they will have to make those changes. And you see a lot of people focusing on that now. You know, we've had more people talking about employee transformation as a critical part of their strategy in the last six months, recognizing that the market's going to change completely. And if they don't change the process, the people, their operating models, they couldn't service it anyhow. So technology is probably evolving faster than the operating model is. And that is the larger drag to the ability to move. But unquestionably, you're going to see personal line services move to commercial line fleet from trucking and transport to just a greater percentage of Uber and other services out there. So I think Guidewire at the center of a transformation technologically, it's there. We can see the ecosystem that can support it, obviously built for transformation over time. But for me, the focus needs to be on behaviors and culture inside of an organization and transforming operating models that can support these future products and where all the revenue is going to come from. So what's your take on some of the speed bumps autonomous driving has hit recently? We've had a couple of collisions with pedestrians and one in particular that led GM to recall nearly 1,000 driverless cars in Cruise's fleet. How much, if at all, do incidents like this slow down the progress toward the future of mobility? In reality, it's going to happen, okay? And is it slowing it down or is there a natural pace at which this should happen? We're in a news cycle driven world, right? Everything is optics and everything off 
awful is thrown in your face a thousand times more than the good things that happen. And I think most of the reporting I've seen is even though there are issues or issues have happened, the success far outweighs those risks, meaning over a course of, you know, 100,000 events, the percentage likelihood of a human error versus the technology error is way higher. But any technology error is going to get pushed out louder than any human error is going to be pushed out to those in the market or us as consumers or anywhere you can. So I think naturally it's going to slow down some of the pace at which we should expect these vehicles to be out there. But I don't think it's in any way going to stop it. And as the data comes out that shows the success of these platforms, I think it'll be a hard case to make over the next couple of years. I think you just need more substantial trials across more platforms out there to be studied and presented. And I think we'll see by 2030, significant transformation of the ecosystem. By 2025, that seems quite soon to see what was maybe an expected level two or three years ago. I think that probably one of the most profound changes driving the change in personal lines, auto businesses will, the decline in personal vehicles for carriers to insure. In the U.S., only 13.7 million vehicles were actually sold in 2022, which was 8% lower than 2021 and nearly 20% lower than 2019. Now in 2023, this rebounded, but just a little bit. And the fact is sales of personal vehicles have been drifting downward for at least the last decade. At the same time, ride hailing services have been growing by 60% per year. By 2050, it's estimated that 80% of consumers will reside in cities, further fueling these trends. Exactly what you touched on, Shane, earlier when we were talking about Gen Z's. By some estimates, just 40% of overall auto premiums will be generated through personal lines by 2040. And much of that is going to require new forms of distribution, products, pricing, and some of the services we've been talking about in this episode. So Shane, sticking strictly with personal lines business for just a moment, what do you hear in conversations with carriers about what they view as their ability to win remaining personal lines business in this environment? It's a crazy sounding number, 40%. But if you sit down and think about it, it seems really realistic. What our customers are talking about right now, they're really focused on improving their outcomes. So they're focused on getting back to profitability, offering better platforms and products for the near term, developing embedded partnerships. Now, I will say they're all focused on modernizing their ecosystem for change. They do recognize change is coming. So looking at their ecosystem, they're trying to understand how they can build for modernization. And that's where a lot of their investment is going right now. And obviously moving, you know, shameless plug, but to GWCP and upgrading into the cloud, understanding the importance of that and their evolution is one of the key components of their strategy. It is also to simplify the rest of their ecosystem, move to the cloud as much as they can and be enabled so that they can modernize a little bit ahead of the market and start thinking more strategically about the full transformation of the personal lines business. But as you know, most of the personal lines insurers had a very tough couple of years from a results perspective, and their focus is largely on fixing those underlying problems that keep them from being able to adjust in the market. I keep saying, you know, the importance of an insurer has to have insight and they have to have agility. And one without the other provides almost no value. So that focus on matching agility and insight is what we are primarily talking to our customers about right now. Yeah, that is an excellent point about insight and agility both being required. 
required. And that's why Guidewire customers are upgrading to the Guidewire cloud platform, also known as GWCP, to achieve insight and agility. So I think the good news is that even as billions in personal lines revenues begins to evaporate, there's commercial lines that can more than fill the enormous revenue gap that might be left behind. But insurers are going to need to innovate to support new service models like multimodal coverage models that toggle between personal and commercial auto insurance as liability moves between the driver and the OEM at the push of a button. Or new mobility as a service offerings that cover journeys. So your entire journey instead of the asset like the vehicle. Shane, this is a concept some listeners may not be familiar with. So why don't you explain what mobility as a service is and how big a market you expect this to be? Sure. Mobility as a service is essentially an opportunity to fulfill coverage gaps. If you look at the current customers, especially we'll talk urban where somebody wakes up, they take their personal car to the train station, they take a train downtown, then they take an Uber to their office. And when they leave that office, instead of grabbing an Uber, they grab a scooter, they get to the train station or they go out to dinner and then take another mode there and return the trip. Our insights coming from the World Insurance Report said over the next five years, that market's going to triple. People are expecting to be offered the ability to cover that transportation life cycle for them because they'll be using their cars less, but they're using other modes of transportation just the same, and in most cases, significantly more, and they want to cover that entire trip for themselves. So it has the potential to be a very big market, and I've already started to see the POCs and the demos, and I think we'll see a significant tick up as the insurers start to wrap their hands around it, understand how to distribute it better, how to sell it better, how to message it into the market and the consumers. As Gen Z, they really get this and they want to start shifting to being the bulk of the buying power in the market. Great. Thanks, Shane. On the other side of this break, we'll continue the conversation. So don't go anywhere. Loving Insure Talk with Laura Drabik? For more expert insights and inspiration, subscribe to Laura's email newsletter at drabikdigest.com, your one-stop resource for Laura's latest blog posts, videos, podcasts, articles, and more. That's www.drabikdigest.com. Now let's get back to the show. And welcome back. This is Insure Talk with Laura Drabik, and we're talking with Shane Cassidy from Capgemini. Shane, it's no stretch to say that for insurers, the future of mobility is about one thing, and you've been saying it over and over again, data. Over the next decade, success in this sector will be measured by the ability to leverage exponential amounts of real-time driving and traffic data from a rapidly expanding universe of sources. This is going to include data pipe from in-car systems and smartphone based apps, but insurers are also going to need ecosystems to draw and utilize data from public transportation systems. Part of this will be for new forms of coverage, but part of it will be the ability to leverage data in the event of a claims triggering event. Shane, how will the ability to access data from nearby camera feeds or IoT sensors augment the kind of data coming from in-car and smartphone-based telematics in the event of a collision? The easiest answer is accuracy. Claims adjusters love accuracy paying the right claim at the right time. 
And there's data out there that's available to insurers that they've never really had before. You know, you look at traffic sensors and or videos to look at what happened at an intersection. And there's, I think I've heard some numbers that 80% of all of the traffic incidents happen at 20% of the traffic intersections. So putting cameras in there and being able to address and see those cameras and identify who's at fault in almost a real-time manner would allow people to make not only the payments faster, but feel confident that it's accurate and have the support of it. That's a huge opportunity for the claims industry as a whole and for insurers because they feel confident and they can pay those claims fast, which customers appreciate, and they're paying them accurate, which also goes back into their pricing and their underwriting, and it starts to evolve that as well so that they're able to be far more predictable in their business outcomes. So it has a potential to have a massive impact on these insurers' bottom lines as well as top lines. Now, their ability to consume that data today isn't probably where it needs to be, but there's a ton of investment going in right now that would enable their ability to start leveraging that data more regularly, more consistently, and allowing them to take those advantages. If you go around to our customers and pretty much the entire market, even in a tough market where investments are restricted, data is still a center point of almost every discussion. How they're going to use data, how they access data, what data they're going to access over time is still central. So to me, this is one of the big opportunities for our customers, for Guidewire, for ourselves. Now, Shane, this is your second time with us, and I'm going to quote you from your last episode. You said something really important, which is, and I quote, the purest truth is that the future will be data-driven and agile in every way. Products will evolve faster and faster, pricing more individualized. Sensor data will become ubiquitous to lower the risk, and embedded insurance is inevitable. And I, Shane, personally don't see a path toward achieving that without cloud at the center. So that was really well put. And the ability to access all this data and make it actionable, we believe requires a modern cloud-based insurance platform like Guidewire. We agree. One that combines, of course, the core insurance platform, analytics, and digital using powerful forms of AI to integrate with mobility ecosystem partners like OEMs and third-party data and service providers, and one that can interpret an expanding universe of data and support transactions from quote to claim and beyond. But Shane, what are some other factors carriers should take into consideration when putting together their mobility strategies. In particular, what do they need to be thinking about in terms of ecosystems and human talent? You can fake experience and digital front office experience for parts of your ecosystem with certain investments. But the reality is you can't achieve any of that without a very modern core transactional capability like Guidewire. And you can't really get to the outcomes we're just talking about without a complete ecosystem modernization that is integrated and works with Guidewire Cloud services. And the technology has to be built in a composable fashion. What has happened is that monolith of the past is going away, which it has to, and you have to move towards a composable tech infrastructure. And Guidewire at the core or a modern core is required. You can't do it without it, period. I'm very happy you brought up my statement from the last time. It's good to hear because I think so far it is accurate. I'll double down on that statement and say that that composability of that tech infrastructure is going to be as important as any part of it. Now, what you also mentioned, though, is culture. 
and I said that before and I'll say it again, this is where I think we have the hardest time getting our customers to truly transform to extract the value from their technology investments. And we need to work much harder at it because that's where the value really is delivered for our customers and where the optics of how important the technology component is. But it is happening. It's just transforming slower than the technology would otherwise enable it to. So that to me is where I see our largest hurdle left to get to that future state we've been talking about. On a more personal level, I know sustainability is something that's very important to you. On another podcast, not in your talk, you mentioned that inflationary pressures and other factors are having an impact on commitments to sustainability. Obviously, modernization and the shift to cloud by itself has a positive impact on an organization's carbon footprint. And we talked about the shift toward the ownership of fewer personal vehicles and the rise in EV fleets. But what are some other ways the future of mobility helps improve sustainability? What are some of the ditches we need to avoid along the way? Yeah, I mean, modernized mobility unquestionably has a positive impact on sustainability. And you know, a lot of it's going to happen naturally. I almost don't know that it needs so much force behind it because good ideas, things that add value tend to drive the path. And I think we are starting to see that. People are seeing that the value of what this mobility transformation is doing is it is having a sustainability impact. I do fear that we are forcing agendas maybe a little bit too fast and therefore we may make decisions that don't really drive true sustainability and we're looking for ways to audit in a sustainability into services. I haven't seen as many standalone pure sustainability initiatives this year as I have in the past. Good news is we're starting to. Most of the sustainability that we've been dealing with is a byproduct of another effort, but certainly movement to cloud in a core system or across an entire ecosystem is having a huge impact. The move towards electric vehicles, the move towards more sustainable mobility solutions is having a huge impact. And I just think that it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen naturally. And my big worry is forcing components to take shape that otherwise wouldn't naturally and probably don't have the impact and real sustainability that they should. And we might not find out till later. Shane, thank you so much for your time today and for your incredible insight. You've shown us it's not just about ideas. It's about making ideas happen. Thanks for having me, Laura. Tune in next time for an all new episode of Insure Talk with Laura Drabik, brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate and grow efficiently. For more information, visit Guidewire.com.